To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Ways of contacting uh, this channel. Go to positive sarcasm.com. Click on the contact section. You can hit me up all things available there. There's also a link for free stocks through the Weeble app. So if you sign up using the affiliate link either on my website or in the description down below, you'll get free stocks simply by uh, funding your account. And then I'll get free stocks uh, by using you using the affiliate link. FYI, if you are looking to just save money and not actually invest in stocks, uh, there is a cash management system which is base which is FDIC protected. It's basically like a bank, and you'll get right now. I think they're offering up to five percent because of the high rates. You get a high interest savings account. So there's no minimum entry. Basically, just fund your account. You don't have to invest any money. It just sits there, and any money that is sitting there not doing anything goes into cash management. You start uh, making interest on it. And, well, there you go. It's just a great way of supporting yourself. It's a great way of supporting this platform. It's a great way to get uh, to get that savings account going. Questions, concerns, comments, you can also email me directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com with subject matter. And, of course, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Um, self-congratulatory. Uh, posing music. So, uh, as you guys may or may not know, I, I talk about it every once in a while, I do make posing music for... Uh, folks who do competitive fitness you know body uh men's women's bodybuilding men's women's physique you know those classes of competitive fitness in the npc or in the wmbf that allow for 60 to 90 to two minutes worth of posing using songs uh, of their choice and they come to me and they ask me for certain cuts or certain blends or whatever. And a lot of times they sometimes they say, "Hey, I want it like I I want it done a certain way. Can you give me this part of the song clipped like this and, and like that?" Or sometimes they just say, "I trust you fully. Uh, do what you think is best to make the song at least end somewhere around 60 seconds." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And it's just, you know, it's part of what I do. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being able to help them out. Uh, I'm one of the best at it. And there's a lot of times, like especially recently, they're so appreciative, almost uh, nauseatingly appreciative, but not in a bad way, but just like they're really thankful. Thank you so much. This, this cut is great. They absolutely love it. And it's like it, it means a lot to them. And it means a lot to me uh, to to for them as a client for them to be that satisfied you know because they're really going through it right now like they or in general like they work really really hard they do that cardio they lift those weights they practice their posing they practice their uh, uh their transitions during the posing they're working so hard and their diet too has to be so on point they're really working diligently just to get that 60 seconds nailed down and to still be a part of it is a great feeling but i find that their appreciation for what I'm doing f- for them and uh, and makes me reflect on how I have evolved as far as you know just in general um, them being appreciative how appreciative I am of like how I communicate my thoughts to them when I'm writing what I've done and how thankful they are to me I feel like I've learned how to respond to people the Mike through them through these clients in particular forget about my 13 years in healthcare that did nothing that only made me hate people more that's all it did was made me so bitter so angry so negative but these clients that I actually was able to help that I was able to do something for who I know were working really really hard at accomplishing something that not a large population part percentage of the population can really do uh, only by choice, like they cho- choose not to do it. Um, 
but it makes me feel good. Like, and when they write to me, I want this. Like, I have to be able to communicate. I have to force myself to communicate with them. But over time, it's become much simpler for me just by talking to them, because I don't feel like they have ulterior motives. They come to me with a request. I'm able to, you know, 9.9 times out of 10. Um, I've only had one client, one. And it was basically somebody speaking on behalf of somebody else who I was not able to cater to. Everybody else who I was talking directly to, I have nailed their request every single time. Obviously not on the first time. A lot of times, you know, you have to work through the draft. Like you send them a draft. You go, let me know what you think. Do you want me to tighten it up this way or the other way? And then we come down to it and you go, perfect, you nailed it. And sometimes you accidentally uh, discover a concept that you present to them and they go, oh, that that sounds even better than I thought. That's perfect. And it may, it's a way for me that I've, I've evolved in how to actually speak to people. Um, and it's allowed me to, instead of just being frustrated in my, you know, my ape head uh, of how to talk, that conversation or that interaction some mostly through email but sometimes over the phone and with people from people all over the world british australian uh you know different parts of the united states other parts of europe russia um insert a stan <laughs> uh the the ability that i i've ha- i've created the my ability to be able to create and talk to them and to reach what they were looking to, to accomplish. Um, it's brought me a long way. It's helped me evolve as a person, being able to talk to them. Um, and especially recently with everything going on with the world topics nowadays, uh, still, being the ha- still being able to have that conversation, that uh, you know, request for goods and services, but at the same time, it's at the same time have that h- human touch Still being able to talk to people like, yeah, I want this. That's great. It's great. Like knowing that people are out there and you're able to help them um, accomplish something that they they had an idea in their head and you were able to bring it to life. It's awesome. It really is. And and I just – they're so appreciative. And I woke up this morning knowing that an email was waiting for me that I had to reread saying thank you so much. This was great. I, like, I mean, overly, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's like, you know, I may be tired today, but I felt good, you know. That first hit of coffee, like, went down so perfectly. I felt great. Uh, I knew it was going to be a beautiful day out. Um, you know, Chase was right there. He was, he slept great. He's sleeping right now. He's got a little red thermal on. Um, but it was a beautiful morning and I was going by my own pace. I knew I had a whole day ahead of me, a whole good day ahead of me, though. And I was able to get through what I needed to get through uh, relatively quickly. And it was just nice. It was just one of those days where you wake up and you go, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. The world isn't actually falling apart as much as you think it is. It could fall apart. It could become a total catastrophe. Um we can discuss that further, but and I, I I did I watched what could potentially happen. I watched it live, and it makes me very thankful to be in the position that I've I'm in, based on some of the chances I've taken to put myself in an environment where I can be more I can continue to be creative and express my thoughts and. By taking the next step, whatever that risk may be, to continue that type of mindset and expand upon it, and be and create a larger environment that allows me to be more vocal and more uh, aggressively creative. Um, it's I don't know. It was just something that my day started off right, and I know it's definitely later in the day, and I'm really starting to like come down. It's like all right, now the necessities have to get done. But I know they'll get done because I I don't I don't really put things off anymore. Um, like it is definitely like this this has to get done. Figure it out. Get your notes ready. Get your thoughts ready. 
get your shit packed and go execute this thing. Um, like I did, like I did the a couple weeks ago. I wanted to do it this week, but that was not going to happen. Um, the little seacoast, you know, live from the sunrise. I want to do that again, and I I gave it a shot. Um, I did the best I could planning ahead. It worked out relatively well. Um, I had a backup plan, and I have some ways of that I can be um, better at doing it. And I actually am looking forward to executing that type of uh, that type of episode again and seeing where it takes me. And it may not be by the seacoast uh, down the road. It might, or well, you'll see those again, but it may be in a different environment. It might be on top of a mountain, or it might be in a field somewhere, just where you're not you're surrounded by nothing but um, I don't know the morning dew and your own thoughts. But those things are in the works in my head. Um, and it starts by you actually just going out there and doing them. So that was a, that was pretty, it was a pretty cool morning for me. Um, knowing that I, I was doing something to continue to promote this website, this project, this life project of mine while catering to somebody who needed my assistance, um, who had actually gone through some, you know, surgical things and whatever, and, uh, able to get them you know, moving along, support them and move them along in the right direction with uh, the thing that they're chasing right now. So I don't know. It's pretty cool. I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good in general. Uh, I think it's going to be a good winter. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just being of use has a re- is a really good feeling. Just being useful in general. I think. A lot of people don't feel like they're doing anything of actual value or they're lying to themselves that they actually are doing something valuable. Um, I never pretended to think that when I was working in healthcare. Never, ever, not for a second. Um, but now I, I truly think that I'm, I'm doing some, some mildly valuable things that people tend to like and need and can use and are really elated when it works out in their favor. Uh, so that's just something I wanted to kind of throw across. Uh, just some unfiltered thoughts. Uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago too, how the Israel-Hamas um, conflict uh, in the Gaza Strip is was two-dimensional at the time. It's still kind of – it's still mostly – is um when it did happen stocks took a minor dip but mostly due to the fact that stocks are kind of dipping right now is due to other things like i said the stock market does not like uncertainty once it understands where if everything has kind of baseline yeah there's a war here there's you know interest rates over here there's lack of consumer demand there's all these things it kind of just it settles off it's no big deal as the minute there's uncertainty, though, the stock market kind of pulls back a bit. I mean, obviously, some stocks, you know, some stocks benefited from this Gaza conflict. Obviously, like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and Raytheon, all wartime stocks. But I'm not going to tell you to invest in these things because number, I mean, uh, I'm not going to tell you to invest in war. Obviously, if you want to make, uh, you know capitalize off of this fact you're more than welcome to the stocks are there to be purchased but it's not something i'm gonna promote i'm not gonna promote capitalizing off of people's deaths it's not for me i understand that this is a mass casualty situation that's occurring and however you side on it or however you understand it or view it or interpret it but for me it's not about you know picking stocks in this scenario i understand there's going to be uh, actually i'll get to that in a minute but for me this isn't about stocks it's not even about my ancestry okay it's i'm literally just watching i think it pays to just watch so for example there are live streams right now of this conflict. Not stuff you're catching on, not the stuff you catch on Instagram or you're watching on CNN. It's not even close to that. It's a scenario where you go on and you click, you go on YouTube and there's just cameras set up 
on the Gaza wall, on the Israeli-Lebanese border, inside the Gaza Strip. And they're just people who are just setting up cameras. And you get to watch an actual – get to watch history unfold. Um, can you go and see, like, the gruesome realities that are that have taken place? Yes, you can. There are, there are videos and photos out there that exist. Um, people like Ben Shapiro are encouraging you to look at them so that you understand truly what has taken place. It's, it's, he's entitled to it. Andrew Tate has his opinion on this scenario too, and he's entitled to these opinions. I would rather those two – I'm perfectly fine with those two yelling at each other online as long as they're talking, as long as they're arguing and they're not attacking each other. Like physically, I'd rather they not. But they have every right – to share their opinions of one another, of the scenario, fine, go ahead. I'd rather they did. As long as they're running their mouths, um, that's a good thing. I'd And they're talking to each other. That's the thing. They're yelling at each other. I'd rather they be yelling than if they were silent. That's when you know something's really wrong. But as far as like, let me get back to the, the idea of like, it's live. You're watching history. You are watching a war that has been documented for hundreds of years, decades, centuries. This this idea of the seculars, the religion, the the terrorism, the 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 um, the chosen people. This whole thing. You're watching something that it's important to understand. There's many interpretations of, of how this is being played, of how this came to be, of uh, of who's at fault, if anybody, if everyone. But the idea to just sit there and have a camera pointed at the Gaza Strip and watching missiles go up, missiles come down, smoke bellowing from some random building. I mean, and they do make it seem like the mainstream media de- has made it seem like the whole city is getting leveled but when you sit there and you stare at the gaza strip that's at least from my perspective that's not the case you are watching it there are buildings that are getting completely blasted um the question is is anybody in them as far as like civilians civilians have been ordered to evacuate it was 24 hours ago they said get out Get out of the area. We're going after Hamas. There will be bombing. We will shut off power. We will shut off water. We're going after this terrorist organization. And you're watching this unfold from daytime to nighttime. And it's, for me, important to see, at least understand. Like, did you watch it? It's like, yes, I watched it live. I saw it happen. I saw. These the building the the, the the Gaza Strip is still there. It, it's not been Dresden. It's not been Tokyoed. It's still there. It still exists. It's, but absolutely, some buildings are being hit. No doubt about it. I don't know what it's going to look like in in three weeks. I don't know what it's going to look like in three hours. I don't know. I can tell you from the last time I saw it, the Gaza Strip is still there. Many of the buildings are intact untouched it doesn't look like indiscriminate bombing it doesn't look like they just completely like carpeted the entire area it looks like yes there's absolutely you can hear uh um you can hear ambulances up close in the distance you know people talking things like that but the lights are still on as far as uh, well they last were i'd have to double check again um there was lights on. There was movement. There was cars going by. The hospitals were working. Uh, and it was just important for me to at least witness this part of history. This thing is taking place. So if anybody tells you you weren't paying attention, those who don't under- understand history are doomed to repeat it. It's like, well, I saw it. I watched it. And I got a, at least an idea from a bird's eye view of what was taking place it wasn't um through a a lens of somebody's opinion or skewed to be in one person's favor it was just 
a live it is still a live feed of the strip that is under um, a quarantine, a shutdown, an invasion, a whatever, and you're watching these things happen. Now it is obviously like you don't. It's it, there's no emotional feel to it, at least from my perspective. You're just kind of in awe, quietly in awe, watching this whole skyline, and it's like. When's the next explosion going to happen? Is another array of rockets going to fly up from around somewhere out of nowhere? Um, it's very... It's kind of surreal. But it's important to just at least witness it. It's like, yeah, I saw this. I understood this took place during my lifetime. And when it's all over, however this ends... The idea that you didn't participate, but you witnessed a portion of it, and it helps you understand if if somebody were to come to you and ask questions, be like, "Well, this is what I saw. This is what I understood, and this is how I interpret it." And it's just like you owe it to yourself to at least look. Um. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Have I taken any precautionary measures uh, due to my background or due to what's taking place or what could, um, you know, branch out from this? Will it escalate? Uh, You know, that's for me to know. And as far as if if this thing really does become more infectious where it starts to infect my environment, I don't want to be in a position where I have to worry about, do I owe anyone? Do uh, Am I going to be in a situation where I'm more stressed out about, um, you know, like, is there going to be some, is there going to be any problems here that I can't handle? And I don't, I don't want to be in a position where I owe anybody anything. Like, I know, like, I keep preaching about how, I don't want to owe anybody anything and I don't want to have any credit card debt and you know I just want to have cars that I own product that I own low budget and I'm I've taken the next step in that scenario not so much because of the Israel conflict but just because I see an environment where interest rates are going up they may continue to go up they may not come down for an entire year after this Um, but I want to own nothing Literally nothing. Like I, I start. I said, okay, I want to stop using credit cards. Like, you can say pay your credit card down. Like use your credit card, and then pay it off. But like I have, you know, you have like a balance on one. I don't want to have any balance. But for, so what I decided was I was going to just actually start using like a debit card again. Just start there, okay? Because I had paid everything else off, and I was like I was in a rhythm. But I was like I'm still not getting rid of this credit card, this one credit card that I have. So I said, fuck it, I'm just not gonna use it anymore. What's my budget? Okay, this I got I got allocated that I can use this much uh, a, a week or a month or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna allocate this much a week now just for my debitable budget. And I'm gonna take this much a week towards that last credit card. Because interest rates are going up and credit card f- rates are fucking through the roof. So it's like, I don't want that sitting there. I don't want that revolving. I don't want any secret squirrel, you know, balance charges creeping up out of nowhere. I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal with it. I don't have the brain power for it right now. So that $100 a week going towards that last credit card, good. And can I, I just started it a few weeks ago and it's kind of, it's working. It's working. Like you, you have. If you do be like, this is my budget. This is my budget. I'm sticking to it. Um, you will, you'll succeed. If as long as you like, as long as you set that budget, uh, you can achieve it. You won't have like. You'll know like. There's no with a debit card. There's no hidden fees. You just you have your cat. You. That's what's in there. And that's it. That's what's in there. And you, the rest, everything else, if, if it doesn't exist, that credit card bill does not exist. Uh, if that car payment doesn't exist, 
then you can be in a position where you are completely in control of your finances. Um, and I've just got this one card, and my goal is, my goal is basically stop using the credit card, start using the debit card. Once the credit card goes to zero, because I'm investing weekly, I invest money weekly in the market, uh, in a high interest savings account, and in a 401k, I do all these things weekly, but, and they're all there. And obviously, if the shit hits the fan and the stock market really does kind of take another dip, to me, that only puts me in a position to buy more. Because I think we got one more uh, economic cycle left before shit really does fall apart. So here, I think we'll figure out a way to get out of this. And it's not going to be great. Like, inflation is going to stay. Like, certain things are going to stay at a certain like this costs this much now this costs this much now this costs this much now and i think it's always going to be that way uh for this for this entire cycle so you buy more for this cycle you'll be able to buy more at a lower rate and boom boom you've got your monthly quarterly yearly and then you've got your 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 capital on uh your capital gains on top of that so for this cycle you know, going from me going from using the credit card, paying that down, just using a debit card, and then eventually I'm just going to go to cash. St- basically, I want to go off the board. I don't want as much tracked as possible, as as little tracked as possible. If people, if if the bank just sees me taking out this much cash per week, great, love it. I'd rather it be that way. I don't. I I, I am doing my best to simplify things. As much as possible, um, and my my biggest problem is I can't stop because I'm still obviously I'm I'm still emotionally and mentally looking for my father's 1985 Z28 Camaro with the 305 V8 and the automatic transmission, red hardtop. Um, got a picture over there, but I can't. I still. You know, because then I go on like Facebook Marketplace and I look for it, and then I see like cheap town cars, and it's like, ooh, that'd be. It's like I already have a a a Lincoln, a big Lincoln. It's like, and it's paid off, and it works, and it's inspected. And it's like I don't need an, a sec, a third car, or a second car to replace the second car that works perfectly fine. I don't, I don't need that shit right now. Um, but I can't help but as a dude and as a consumer, I can't help but not look. You know. Uh, it's part of my consumer mentality. It's my part of. It's my also a part of my me wanting material shit. Um, and I, I, I get it. I'm allowed to look. I'm entitled to look, and I should look. I should get a better understanding of the market because maybe there'll be some opportunities for me, as long as I keep an eye out on things. As long as I keep an eye out on things, I'll get a better gauge of the market, and I have to just, you know, kind of keep it focused for a little bit. But. Um, when things do change where I may need to look, I'll get a better understanding of what's available to me. Um, but next year, I mean, shit, they may be giving certain cars out for fucking, basically, in my opinion, for free. I mean, some of the, a lot of the cars I look at, they're not expensive. I see people paying, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for cars, fifty thousand dollars for cars. I'm looking at cars that are as low as two grand as high as 10 15 and when the cars that are 10 to 15 those are like fucking corvettes (laughs) and still not expensive but i'm looking at different stuff i'm looking at cars from a simpler time you know which was only like 20 years ago at the very you know at the most or i mean 2003 97 98 92 you know cars that um Parts were cheap, the cars were reliable, but the shit was cool, you know. And I, I, I am perfectly happy driving around in this stuff because I know how to, to a certain degree, take care of these things. Um, and they, at the end of the day, they get me where I need to go. And um, who am I trying to satisfy at the end of the day? Who should you be satisfying if the, nobody other than yourself? Nobody other than yourself, like. I get it. A lot of the times I park next to this, uh, I park next to this 392, uh, you know, lowered Dodge Challenger. Thing looks fucking sick. I know it's got like, you know, 
probably what 400 horsepower at least and i'm it would obviously blow my car out of the water but i don't care i know because i got a car that's 20 years old i take as good a care of it as possible you know and it needs a couple things here and there but it's like i'm not doing i don't own this car to race other cars i own this car because i love this car and i love the idea of the freedom of, of owning a muscle car that it represents true freedom of expression and simplicity and disconnecting um but it's what i want like if that, that's what i want i don't need a 392 cubic inch engine it's it's cool i do like looking at it i think it's pretty sweet I don't, i'm not gonna lie i'm a guy i love muscle cars i love cars um but i enjoy the simplicity of cars you know I even drove my sister's Nissan Rogue. It's got all these cool tricks and whistles, and it drives really well. It's great car, great commuter car. Um, and it's it's literally, you know, it's crazy. It's like it's a Nissan. It's a just a real. It's a, it's a Nissan Rogue. It's like yeah, just like a, it's an entry level SUV, but it's got fucking everything. Literally everything. You know, it's got a panoramic moonroof, push button rear trunk lid opening remote start leather seats satellite navigation blah 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 blah. and but i get in it and i'm bored nice car rides like a dream nothing wrong with this car but i'm bored i'm bored driving it but whatever i mean okay fine it has its purpose it's just it's not my thing um like i love driving my lincoln but after four months of driving my lincoln believe me i get bored i i'm like it's it's march and i am chomping at the bit to you know pull the mustang out and drive that and get that feeling again that vibration again through my fucking bones um but you know it's that's but that's why i can't stop looking at cars that's why i can't stop looking at things like oh look at that i could use i could get that and it's like the free shit the cheap shit and it's like it does add up though after a while it does add up and it, it, it's um tempering that like i don't i don't need this right now it's no big deal i'm happy with what i have i'm taking care of what i have and i think right now it's the goal is to just what you have is awesome hang on to it for uh for a while things are going to get weird you need to be prepared for the for the weirdness for so when we do get through this economic cycle and we have one more go at it before shit really completely falls apart and we can't bail ourselves out um you'll be in a good position to capitalize off of it maybe it's through uh another car maybe it's through um a, a, a house or, or or other items or a big you know uh, investment or a property or something like that but i think um the next maybe not this war i don't think the gaza war is going to amount to anything i think there's there's a lot of talk there's a lot of fear mongering there's a lot of talking points on both sides in the middle from other people and Ultimately, I think it's going to, I think it'll, it'll probably die down because another thing will come about. Like, we're talking about the Gaza war right now. Just, uh, isn't there a whole war going on in Ukraine right now that we're funding this whole fucking time? And while the Gaza war is going on, no, uh, didn't didn't Hunter Biden just get off on the gun charge? With this whole war basically, uh, you know, now taking over the 24-hour news cycle, all this other shit that was going on, uh, now just kind of gets swept under the rug. You know, what's going on with FTX? Do we know anything what's going on with that? Did all those charges get dropped? Um, uh, aren't we looking for a, a new Speaker of the House? It's like, we're, what about this news cycle? No, it's just, whatever. War, new war. New war, who's this? So, I mean, but I think it's ultimately going to, this one's going to subside somehow. Uh, or it'll just become part of the, the, you know, eh, we're bored. There's a war in, in Gaza, whatever. What's next? 
and then we just move on with our lives and everybody just moves on with their lives. But I think we'll get through it uh, for at least one more cycle. But after this cycle, you understand, the ne- and we're talking about the economic cycle. After this, there's no guarantees. So this cycle, I think we somehow whittle our way through it. Like we just, and it's like, okay, well, I guess we're status quo now and back to doing what we do and buying this and going to that and celebrating this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Taylor Swift tickets. And then after that, it's like the next time because we bailed them out in 08. We bailed, you know, we took advantage of it in 2020. We have this cycle. We keep kicking the can financially down the road. The next time this happens, I don't think we'll be in a position where anybody else is going to want to buy our debt, take us seriously, believe in our institutions to the point where there's no more. You can't print that much money anymore because it'll essentially make the value of money worthless. Like the next one, it's like something has to give. Some institutions have to die. You know, and you have a whole boomer generation, which is going into retirement, they're going to want their social security. They're going to want their pensions. They're going to want their Medicare. And then you have all this immigration flowing in. You have all these problems in the cities. It's like, you can't just keep printing your way out of this crisis. Eventually, the next cycle after this, it's, look, I get it if, Gas is $5 a gallon. If eggs are $7 a carton. But what if gas is $15 a gallon? What if your electric bill, instead of being $150 a month, is $700 a month? And eggs are $12 a gallon. You know, how do you, how does a business run? Not just a small business, but a larger business. How do you maintain your your margins for your employees, for what you charge your customers, uh, your contracts, your ordering of parts, and your services that you require and you deliver and that you offer? And then that shit falls apart. And you, we there's after this, the cycle is we got one shot at this, and it's this one. We have to scale everything back and make ourselves basic. And this is why I don't want to owe anyone anything. If the only person I owe is the bank that I mortgage a house to, if that's the only thing I owe money on, that's great. I'm undefeated. I win. Well, I'm, not undefe- I'm definitely not undefeated. I, I win. Game over. I've, I've won. I've achieved the American dream. Because at that point, you couldn't stop me. Like, there's no AI software that could make me uh, undesirable. There's no, uh, you know, there's no there's no way I can lose at that point. Because my, fo- my focus is, you know, simplified. But I know in that next economic cycle, I believe in that next economic cycle, that economic cycle that takes place after this one, you can't print enough money. It just isn't there. You're just printing debt that nobody wants to buy. You have a product that nobody wants, and it's just gonna sit there on the shelves. But, and look, some companies, a lot of companies, a lot of people are gonna have to pay the consequences. Some banks are gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna bail them out? Is that the rule? Printed more money in the last few years than the entire uh, history of the United States. So that next economic cycle, it's fucking doomsday. And obviously what takes place after that as far as wars and poverty and crime, you know, who knows what takes place after that. And I just don't want to be in a position. I don't want to be in a, in an, in a region, in a, in a job, in a financial situation more in any capacity where I could be a victim of the world's mistakes. I don't want to be that. You know, 
if every year, if, if, if every week or every month I end up dead even, if there's food in my stomach and that roof over my head that I've worked so hard to achieve, um, hey, my goal is not to have $10 million. My goal is to not have to worry about money in general. You know, that's it. It, it. At the end of the day, if everything else is taken care of and I can afford that that steak every week, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. You know? Um, anyways. Uh, if you have further questions or comments about uh, some of my thoughts, you can always email me directly at or you can comment under the podcast below, which is available on Rumble, rumble.com. Look up Positive Sarcasm. That's where the video portion, portion is exclusively available. Um, like, subscribe, share. Uh, no longer on YouTube, by the way, but you can find the audio version of this podcast anywhere podcasts are available. I don't know what's going on in, in Canada with how they're doing things, but quite frankly, I don't adhere to other countries' rules. I live in the United States. So if Canada says my podcast can't be, or my content in general can't be in Canada anymore, that's what I say to that. Sorry. Maple leaves are not in my flag. Anyways, we are at 40 minutes. Let's go ahead and close up shop with a couple Q&As from dig.com, and uh, we'll call it a day. Let me go ahead and pop up that second monitor. Oh, did I drink all my yeah, drink all my happy water? Okay. Four years ago, my husband joined the small company I've worked for for decades. He had issues with his supervisor, brought tension home, and ultimately left. I am still here working daily with the people who screwed him over and the jerk who basically pushed him out and took his job. I don't think my husband was blameless, but I do think he was set up for failure in many ways. Okay, it's fair to say. Since he left, I've made a great effort to separate my work world. Hey, how are you from my home life? Yeah, I saw that jerk again today. <laughs> I've done a masterful, masterful job of compartmentalizing and not feeling the frustration I have with my employers for putting him in this position and with him for letting this happen. Thank goodness I've managed to continue to work mostly from home. I pretty much moved on personally, but professionally I still struggle to work honestly and openly with certain supervisors or to even look directly at the snake who took his job. Do you have any... I worked here for about 20 for 25 years and have a position of influence and authority, but I regularly think about retiring just not to have to see those people again. Um... Ultimately, it's up to you. It's a hard decision to make. If you like, if you do like your job and you're okay with it, and okay, then it's fine. But if you have, if you struggle to look these people in the eye, um, and you're thinking about retiring or maybe grabbing a, a part-time gig somewhere else, or just scaling back in your professional work life, and maybe you'll be invigorated by going to find another job. But if you retire, um. It's really up to you what you want to do. I don't. I wouldn't advise you one way or another. If you do decide to retire, just say fuck it, I'm done, um, and you can afford to do so. Do it. Screw it. You know. And kudos to your husband for not, from what I can tell from the small paragraph here, that hasn't given you any shit for continuing to work there, which is obviously the right approach. Um, a person's ability to make a living is the is one of the most important things. So for him to not really be upset about it, um, I first of all, I hope he's doing his thing and making his money and feeling resourceful and all that stuff that a man should be doing. Um, but as far as you're concerned, because you wrote this, if you decide to call it a day and maybe go find another gig or, or retire or scale back in your work life, cool. Good on you for doing that, you know. You don't even, and you don't have to do it to avenge, to quote, avenge your husband. You could just do it because that's how you feel right now. Let's move on to the next one. I have always had an extremely sensitive stomach and complete aversion to the sight and smell of feces, vomit, and blood. Ugh, I don't feel good all of a sudden. I have actually fainted several times, and as a child, my brothers could trigger me to throw up by making retching noises. I've seen that on Instagram gross which is why i do not understand my sister's insistent need to bombard me with pics of my niece's diaper blowout and other disgusting things gross i've already dropped out of my family chat because my sister can't connect the dots that posting these pictures is unwanted and unwelcome i told her to stop and she finds my request amusing she says she is helping me <laughs> no she's not because how else will i learn when i have a baby myself and that condensing smugness in another kettle of fish 
Uh, I hit my limit when my sister texted me that she had the cutest thing to show me right before a big meeting. It was a picture of my niece's green diary. <laughs> I ended up dry heaving in the trash can. I managed not to do it in front of my superiors, but it was a near miss. I'm furious with my sister, and we had a huge fight over the phone. I told her that, uh, the, that fascination with this wasn't normal, and it was disgusting, and she needed to quit it. She took that as me calling her baby disgusting. Now we aren't talking, in, but everyone in the family is. My father has a birthday coming up. I'm thinking of skipping because I'm afraid of my sister will pull some stunt. What should I do? Um, well, that's up to you, but I'm going to tell you this much. Her kid's diaper and if you, and your child's future diapers are two different things. You'll learn to put up with it uh, the way you see fit, possibly. You'll learn to deal with it because it's out of love. Um, but... No, that that it's it's pretty gross. And honestly, the joke gets old after a while. So your sister should probably cut the shit because that's fucking disgusting. I don't care. It's gross. She needs to stop doing it. Um, and maybe your dad can talk to your sister and be like, "Hey, your other sister, your sister doesn't want to come because you keep so showing her shit pics. Could you fucking knock it off?" Let's move on to the final one here. Uh, I'm a 30-year-old woman. Uh, I'm not. The writer is. I've been with my fiancé for almost seven years. When we first met the air, my hair was platinum blonde. Nice. Now that I'm a hairstylist, I'm enjoying playing around with my hair color, and I've come to love dark blue. What? I've been blue for a few years now, and it doesn't seem like a big deal. It does to me. Yesterday, my fiancé broke the news to me that, my, that his parents are, are refusing to pay for the wedding venue if my hair is anything except my natural color. I was completely taken aback. There's a laundry list. They don't approve of my tattoos, my recent weight gain due to some serious health issues. I had discussed my health problems privately with his mother and that I'm not making as much money as I should. Hairstylists are struggling right now because we're in a recession. This family has been loving towards me the entire relationship, and all of a sudden I found out how they really feel. His mom has been extremely apologetic to me through text, but I honestly don't want anything to do with them. My fiancé feels the same way. It's to the point where that we're about to elope without telling anyone. Is it wrong of me to stand my ground and say no to his parents? I appreciate them helping out with the wedding, but if, but I don't want the help if I have stipulations. That is a conversation for you and your husband and nobody else. So if your husband is standing by you and is you know backing you up on this and you guys decide to elope without telling anybody, that's between you and him and nobody else that's it period so if they decide they don't want to pay for it then you're not doing it and you're gonna go to fucking vegas and probably have just as good a time if not a better time so anyways we uh that's about it for today's uh podcast guys thank you so much for listening watching and subscribing you can find me on rumble at positive uh, uh scarcasm you can find me anywhere podcasts are available in the audio world uh um what is it? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict. That's a good app. Uh, and, of course, you can always stream and download this platform from PositiveSarcasm.com right there. Boom. There it is. Simple as that. Try to make it relatively easy for you. Um, questions, concerns, comments, you can email me through my website. You can email me at Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm. Or you can email me directly, uh, PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing, and I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.
I've never 